Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revival, emo emo violence, even ska. We're We're here here to to help. help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council, just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 65 of the Washed Up Emo podcast. I am Tom Mullen from washedupemo.com. This episode, we welcome Jeff from Orchid. Who is Orchid, you might be asking? They are a pioneering screamo band from Massachusetts. Uh, Friends of Washed Up Emo connected us to Jeff, who works at UCB Theater here in New York City, teaching improv. Lesson, being a hugely influential screamo band, does not pay the bills. Uh, Note to listeners, we used a new audio recording system with a few hiccups, and you'll hear some noise from a UCB class. Apologies, and it's been fixed. Finally, thanks for listening to the podcast and leaving reviews. It absolutely means the world to me. So here it is, episode 65 with Jeff from Orchid here on Washed Up Emo. Um, Where where, where in Connecticut did you grow up? Cheshire, Connecticut, uh, which is near New Haven. Ah. Um, Cheshire, yeah, it's mostly now known for... Uh, Cheshire is the home of James Vanderbeek from Dawson's Creek. Uh, the home of Horshack from Welcome Back, Cotter. Uh, the home of Legs McNeil, who came up with the term punk. Uh, ah. He was from Cheshire originally. Uh, me and the singer of Orchid. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, but now Cheshire is mostly known for uh, the Cheshire murders. There's a documentary on HBO about the Cheshire murders. Oh, I've not seen that. It was just this, uh, the, the, it was just basically a home invasion case. Cheshire is like a nice town, but also has two prisons. And so these prisoners escaped. Wow. Went to like a house near my friend's house and like kind of, uh, home, did a home invasion and made them take money out. It's a horrific scene. Wow. So that's what Cheshire now is. If people know Cheshire, a lot of times they'll just be like, oh, the Cheshire murders, that. <laughs> it's like, no, we also have James Vanderbeek, which is not a great one. Uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's a small town uh, outside what, New Haven. Were you, was it, um, was music something that you knew like early on? Was it, I'm like, oh, wow, I like this type of thing? Or was it, I don't know, was he, did for an older me, brother give you a record or yeah, something Yeah, no, for me, I mean, uh, he, my brother had records and there was always music in the house like we always listened to 99 rock wplr which is the classic rock station um but because of that i didn't like classic rock for a very long time um uh i I honestly i do think a a lot like the punk just came from me i just kind of 
uh, I didn't like music for a very long time until junior high. And then junior high, for some reason, me and the singer of Orchids and my other friend, Jesse, found Primus. And that was the entry point. Primus was the... I only liked Weird Al before that. And then Primus was the only thing I liked. That's so fun. I was a huge Weird Al fan. And Primus, my first band, covered Too Many Puppies. Perfect. Perfect song to cover. <laughs> uh, it's easy. Yeah. But I was obsessed with Primus. And they were like, for like a very brief period, that hit right in being able to see them at Loud Blues in 93 and them at Woodstock 94. Yes. Uh, but... Um, yeah, and then I just, like, all of a sudden that just, like, you know, Headbangers Ball and 120 Minutes to an extent kind of set me off down a path uh, to get into... And, you know, then BMG, honestly, and Columbia House helped out a lot because you're able to get so many for records. a penny. Yeah. Uh, so I would just get things to try and some things that I love, like Jesus Lizard, I just could not get into at the time. But then, like, you know, slowly I just kind of started, like, delving into, you know, punk a little and then industrial a lot. Uh, and then uh, hardcore, honestly, came from uh, Quicksands and Rage Against the Machine. Uh, mostly of that, like, I liked the first Rage record, and then I found an article where they mentioned this band Inside Out, and that I was, was like, it. oh, Inside Out's the best, and then my first hardcore band covered an Inside Out song. And then Quicksand was a huge one because one article, I will say my Aunt Nancy, uh, she was like a hair metal fan so that helped a lot like she was like had ricky rackman's demo uh from the cat house so she had all these old rips and she kind of is awesome she kind of got out of metal a bit but she would take out all the articles and she gave them all to me of any band she knew i vaguely liked so a quicksand article listed every single band they were in so then that started we had a record store called phoenix records which was connected to a head shop in wallingford connecticut and then that head shop slowly closed but we would get everything there and they had, you know, that's where I got uh, Youth of Today, Bold, Beyond, Absolution, like, you know, uh, basically every band that they were in. And they also had Quicksand bootlegs from when they played at the Moon, which was an old place. They had, like, you know, I got a Fugazi bootleg there. Like, it's a lot of bootleg tapes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Fuga- I think Fugazi and – but Quicksand was really the big one. And then once Hardcore happened, it was just like that's everything. And then the New Haven scene – were you going to a lot of shows? Was it local shows? Yeah. Was it seeing the seeing the headliner? But then, oh, that opening band's really cool. That helped too. I mean, you know, like uh, the tune in was the main club that yeah. we went to, and that was in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, and you know, and Connecticut is great for hardcore, like in the grand scheme. I mean, we had You're the in between, we had everything, and like Revelation was from there originally. Yeah. So. Uh, but the tune in was the place I went every single weekend. Once I found out about the tune in, I think my first show, my first show at the tune in was the Queers headlining with uh, Rancid opening and Brutally Familiar, uh, who were this great uh, Connecticut punk band that also, like, members went on to the Piss tour, great fucking band. Um, uh, I can swear, right? Yeah. Cool. I uh, just wanted to check. Uh, <laughs> it just comes out. So, yeah, the tune-in was a big place. So And, like, the tune-in is, like, we went there every weekend. Like, my first couple shows were just, like, random punk shows and then ska shows because they were all merged together. Yeah, it was all together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then once hardcore started happening, like that was all I did. Like, and, and you know, my first band show was at the tune in. But then I, I, once you, once you know, I think for Connecticut in my mind, it was the tune in was New Haven section, and then Club One Fifty Eight was on the other end of Connecticut, and Club One Fifty Eight had the bands that now I would be psyched I saw, 
like where it would be like frail played there just like so this, in theory Policy the smarter three. bands we had 25 to life like every weekend like i saw 25 to life so much and i loved 25 to life at the time <laughs> but like and like hate breed was hate i mean jamie ran jamie was the godfather of connecticut hardcore like jamie booked every show outside of the tune-in and he was banned from the tune-in so they couldn't ever play there uh but so then jamie so once you started going to the tune and then we you know jamie booked at uh, 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 the Bristol Bike Exchange, which was his bike skate park where bands would play in a half pipe. Uh, Maxalunas, which was just some weird, like, kind of Guido club, like, where they had shows in the back. Uh, 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 there were a bunch of Legion Halls. Uh, uh, New Milford Teen Center had the first, like, Bolt reunion that I saw. Wow. Uh, like, and... So there were just all these places, and then slowly we just kind of did the cycles. The Sports Palace was a huge place in the middle of Danbury, Connecticut. That was like an indoor soccer arena, but like that's where I played with Earth Crisis. Like that's where like you know we played, we saw Ignite or whatever. Um, so all these shows were happening. So slowly it just became like two or three times a weekend at least. Wow. We were at a show, um, and then I you know and at, that was high school. That was high school. Uh, and, and it was in high school too, that I kind of like started my first band, um, which I had this, uh, skinhead friend who was this Colombian kid, but he became a skinhead, like a sharp. Uh, and he, I used to like, when I was going through puberty, my voice was cracking so I could do the hold your ground from the first Gorilla Biscuits. <laughs> and I was angry. I mean, I was a real depressed and angry kid, but I would walk around my high school hallways, like screaming, hold your ground just because I thought it was funny that my voice cracked. And then he was like, oh, you should sing in a band. We should get your friend Eric. And my buddy Eric, was, who's my best friend, was just a dirtbag. He was just a metalhead. Uh, so I got him into hardcore, and then we got his friend Nick, and then my buddy Jesse. And then the skinhead friend never showed up to practice. He just didn't show up the first time. And so we were like, screw it, we'll just start this band. And then we started this band, Switch Stance. Uh, and we played all the Connecticut shows, like constantly. Uh, for and you were playing bass. I was playing. I was screaming. Oh, you were just screaming. Uh, yeah, oh, I was you, just, you were, you were no, no. I wrote a lot of the songs. Like, I would like kind of, you know, write the beginning riffs because uh, I played bass. Uh, but I just was screaming in that band. Yeah. Um, and then that band became All I Ask, where we had the singer of Orchid J, uh, who was, you know, one of my oldest friends. Uh, he joined in on second guitar. And that was when we were like, oh, like, you know, Dead Guy and Coalesce are the best and we're tired of playing kind of what switch dance and switch dance was like a little bit metally and moshy sort of uh uh which was right for the time yeah it was perfect for the time uh a lot of splash symbol yeah um uh if anyone doesn't know what that is i will add a link to some examples (laughs) uh yeah and then we became all i ask and all i ask was more like kind of throw your guitars around and like bleed all over the place and rip off dead guy um and then yeah but yeah uh can, once it was basically like I would go to like punk shows, but it was around like sophomore and a junior year where it just became hardcore, like nonsense. That's all I was. And then I was, and it was also at the time that I discovered straight edge and like, cause I had always been a non drinker and I always hated people who drank, like, you know, came from a family that had some problems. And, uh, so then all of a sudden I was like, Oh, there's this thing that's this, that yeah. says what I am. Like, oh, I'll do that. Which then freaked out my stoner friends because they thought I was going to beat them up. And I was like, oh, I'm just... Well, I'm not hardline. Yeah, don't relax, man. <laughs> I don't even know what hardline is yet. Like, you know, <laughs> the Earth Crisis album, I haven't put a name to it yet. I think they're a little intense sometimes, but I love it and I know every single word. Um, but, uh, so yeah, that was a bit... But Connecticut was great for growing up. And then, honestly, I picked my 
college based on oh can i get back to connecticut <laughs> like so where did you I go could, boston university oh yeah easy uh, to get back yeah um because we were still kind of doing the band uh and you know had to get back for that earth crisis show <laughs> uh, so but, it was really the like i mean i definitely remember those dead guy records when victory you know you wanted to get the mm-hmm. victory magazine mm-hmm. and you like though i mean if it was the snap case the dead guy there were these bands that kind of changed how people thought about hardcore 100 percent and dead guy, like I think you know, I I I wasn't victory. I wasn't an apologist. I just loved it. I loved Victory Records when I was in high school. Yeah, because I loved Mosh. I mean, I came from. I still think Hatebreed's an amazing band. I uh, remember moshing with my best friend in his Ford Taurus to that record mm-hmm. continuously. Yeah. So I would get everything. Like I loved Strife. I I still love Earth Crisis. Like I mean, I think yeah. Destroy the Machines is an amazing record, and Firestorm is still a great song. Anyone who thinks different is an idiot. Uh, <laughs> Cast Iron Hike, I liked. I never loved Cast Iron Hike. How come? But, uh, you know, they. It's just they actually. Was it the sing? Was it too yeah, like, post? The, yeah, it was too post at the certainly at the time for me. Uh, I need to re. I've actually recently was like, oh, I should revisit the Castor and Hike LP. I think I was just like, Quicksand's the one I give a pass on. I get But it. then I didn't like Into Another. I didn't like Castor and Hike. Uh, any band that I didn't like Shift. Uh, I was just very much just Shift like. Shift is why I'm I'm sitting in the music industry. Oh, really? Yeah, I did their unofficial website for Equal Vision. Oh, wow. Sam, the drummer, found it, became friends with her. She got me my first job. Right. But like, the, I, I thought they were. I guess I liked the singing part, right, and the screaming part equally. So I like loved it when like Shift played with like a hardcore band because I could get like both like sure like seeing Split Lip was like my like oh, middle ground. Man, and I could not stand Split Lip, but like my, <laughs> I love my, that we have these different yeah. channels. But my really good friend Matt Morehead like loved Split Lip and Chamberlain. <laughs> Thought they were just like the band. I was just like, what? How is this related to hardcore at all? At the same time, like Super Touch, I was like, I think we're all lying to ourselves that Super Touch is a good band. Uh, but I still will get into that fight at 37 years old. Uh, but also, like, I think, like, that's why sometimes I'm like, I need to revisit because it's like, you know, time I was place. 17. Yeah. You know, you decide, like, you also, one, I think everyone who gets into hardcore is just like, this is all I can listen to. So I had to hide other things. Like, it's just like, I still loved Skinny Puppy, but I couldn't talk about, like, yeah. Skinny Puppy because I had to wear, like, an Earth Crisis shirt. I had to wear a culture shirt. I had to wear, you know, <laughs> my billion hatebreed shirts. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, it's just, there was something, I think also, like, it was part of, uh, Cast Iron Hike, I lumped into this kind of, like, rock Boston world. Like, in, in a lot of those bands, exist, like, the post-Sand Black Church yep. stuff. My first show. Yeah. So there, and like, I just couldn't get, and like, Only Living Witness, like, I love when he sings on that Converge album, but like, I just couldn't get, I was just like, this is just, it sounds like radio rock to me. Like, it just doesn't sound like, I'm not hearing the hardcore enough in it. Were Um, you, were, was, when you were in Boston, so you're still doing the band. And th- were you doing Orchids yet? So in, in in Boston, I was doing, uh, we carried over all I ask. So it's like our first year, we were still just like going home and playing shows. But we were so spread out. Our bass player was in Rochester. Um, uh, and then Orchid, I didn't join Orchid until my last year at college. Oh. Uh, like in college, like I, you know, I, I had some like other bands. Like I did this like kind of screamy band these last days. And we just like had a demo or whatever. Uh, but then Jay started Orchid because he was at Hampshire uh, with Will. Um, and then, yeah, they started that, and I was certainly jealous at the time. Like, I was just really? like, man, they're in a good band. It's like, you know, I thought our band was okay. Like, but then I would be like, maybe I'm lying to myself. They're in a good band. And I definitely was like, 
I think Orchid's already starting to do the things that I want to do. Like, I'm a baby. Uh, it's basically what it is. I yeah. was just being a child. But then uh, uh, their bass player at the time, Brad, uh, had to take some time off uh, uh, from school, I think. And so I, Jay, we were home, I remember. Um, I don't remember if Jay had dropped out of school at that point yet or not. But uh, I was home. We were just like, and I remember distinctly we were, maybe I'm, I say distinctly, I'm probably remembering this wrong, but we were in Jay's hot tub, <laughs> like, cause his parents <laughs> had a hot tub. So we would just go to the hot tub. Cause it's like, we're home. Why the fuck wouldn't we be in a hot tub? Yeah. And I remember he was like, he was kind of like, would you want to do the bass playing in Orchid? Cause I always played bass and I started playing in these bands and like, uh, and I was like, yeah, I guess I could work that out. And then I was like, I'll give it a whirl. But as soon as I joined, you know, I joined right when I basically like, Joined the band, which meant I was in Boston, but I'd have to drive to Hampshire, which is about an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, I'd set up my classes from Tuesday to Thursday um, so I could leave on long weekends. And as like it's like the minute I joined, Jay was like, great, you need to join because we are going into the studio in like a month uh, with with Kurt Ballou uh, because we have to record the 10 inch, the split, which the skull shape split with Drumstream and the split with Red Scare. And he's like, and you got to wow. learn all of our songs, too. Wow. And I was like, okay. And they had most of the songs, like, started to be written. Like, and, you know, and in and, and Orchid, like, you know, Will was the main songwriter. Like, he wrote, like, almost all the rest. He, a lot of times, would just be like, here it is. This is what it is. Um, only, I think, when I kind of came, it's not, like, ever, like, I was like, here's a song. Like, or, rip, but really, it would just be, like, kind of adding on. And, like, maybe we can extend this. Um, but, so, yeah, I kind of joined in. was like, all right, I have to learn a billion songs um and also i remember learned learned them on my own and then will was like no you're playing them wrong and i was like okay great because he's like we're tuned down half a <laughs> oh, step i was no. like okay never mind <laughs> i worked for no reason um uh but yeah and then so once i was in orchid it was just like that was that was my first real touring like you know it was always local shows with connecticut bands with switch dance and all i ask we would play western mass uh we would play shows like you know on the border uh we would go up to pearl street in northampton yep um uh and like play there we played with drowning man uh at this like the original what's now the new england metal and hardcore fest yes. they had like the loud fest uh which i think the same day actually we played with bloodlight and dead guy and i was like this is the best show that's ever. it right um because <laughs> those are i still think like you know going back quickly to the victory stuff like i like to re-listen because like i still think like the earth christ record stands up and like it's recorded by the same guy who did the believer record it sounds like a metal record like Snapcase does not hold up for me at all. Really, Strife I never want to listen to, but I appreciate it. Dead Guy and Bloodlet I find new things in it. I'm legitimately like I'm like if this came out now, this would it would be, totally be fine. It would be great. It would be a mind blowing record. Like there are things on the Dead Guy fixation on a coworker and screen with the Dead Guy quintet that I'll be like I would still want to rip this off. Like you know, and that's you know that was also my entry point into. Rorschach and Human Remains and all the New Jersey fucking hardcore along those lines and early Dillinger like stuff. Uh, that uh, like I love that moment mm-hmm. because it like I lo- I felt the same way. I was like hardcore got smart. Yeah, like it wasn't here comes the breakdown. Right, and that's when I started. Like I love this era and right. that you know that term screamo or mm-hmm. math mathcore. Right. What when you guys? I mean, you guys are con- Orchid was considered one of those sort of ones yeah. that took it to this other level scrams yeah scrams <laughs> this weird bullshit term like that emo violence which i don't even remember yeah. that term then yeah and which i think was just a joke term from inhumanity 
which were a band like from like South Carolina uh, that my drum our drummer of Orchid was friends with. Why um, did that? Ha- well, you were. I mean, I was outside, mm-hmm. so I was just as a fan buying the records or seeing Frail, seeing Policy of Three, right? Or whatever. But inside, was was there? Was there knowledge of like, wow, we're all kind of doing the same thing? Was it, or was it you just happened to show up at a show and that band sounded like you guys or I think had the it, same sentiment? Yeah, I think it was just like, uh, just it was important. In a lot of ways, it was happenstance. Like, I think it was just, it was like uh, all of the kind of same, you know, partly, partly in that the Western Mass were like a lot of the bands were shared members. So there's always that. But I think also it's just like a lot of the same records came out that like people are like, oh, this is, changing everything um uh i mean i always say like for me and i think uh, other everyone else in orchid especially will would say i mean the main crux of at least the heart like when i joined orchid especially was in my mind was a mashup of what was happening in ottawa canada and what was happening in bremen germany like what were those two things so in bremen was this label percoro uh who you know it was this it was mainly this band sistral uh, Sistral, uh, and they had this ten inch that was just like the heaviest thing ever. But it was just like this group of these these uh, uh, same guys. They all were in the kind of the same bands who uh, in Bremen and on this label at this time were putting out these records that were like really heavy, but had these really messed up kind of melodic parts underneath, but were just so brutal. Like and and so there was an intensity in the Sistral record. And then other bands along those lines of like uh, Acme was just like a big one for me too. Uh, and then you could like we went, I went deep of like, oh, I love this band Lindsay and this band April had one seven inch that was really good. Lebens Reform, but then for a bigger one, I think that people noticed more was the Canadian stuff. And so the Canadian stuff was everything on Great American Stake Religion, but was especially. Uh, 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 was especially Union of Uranus and yes. One Eyed God Prophecy. Like One Eyed God Prophecy, I don't, I'd still think in maybe an Orchid, like not everyone loved for some reason them as much, but like the one One Eyed God Prophecy record is still like top five records of all time for me. Like I listen to it, and it's like recorded terribly, uh, but it's the, that everything. There's in something that, in it. There's an epicness of octave chords. So in my mind, it was like, oh, okay, so fast octave chords that are kind of melodic but sad. An epic, but not in a post way and not in a post rock way. Uh, in this different hard, fast way. That's where that stuff came from to me for Orchid and still in how I play guitar. The brutal stuff like came from Bremen a lot. Like and then there would be random stuff like for some reason me and Will like disembodied a lot. Like there was just that one disembodied record, Diablair. I remember me and Will yeah. went out of our way to go watch them. <laughs> and we were just like, Man, these guys are weird, like Jenko's Jenko bands, like yeah. Uh, but there was just something in that song. But like for me, it was those two bands. And then also, I mean, Will came from the power violence world. Uh, like he went on tour with Spaz. Like he was in this band Laceration. Like he, you know, and he put out those bands on Clean Plate. Like I mean, everything. Also, that was the other huge part that I probably should recognize more when I talk about. But it's just like power violence is still the best. Like it was just like you know. I still I I love Man's the Bastard. I love you know uh, Spaz. I listen to less, but I still like them a lot. I love Nooth Crush. Like I loved the Sludge stuff. I love the you know the straight up power violence stuff. And that whole world was just like, oh, this is also politically where we're kind of at mm-hmm. too, which was because that's stuff. yeah, you guys had that as well. Yeah, but I think that was it. it's just like at at least for me at BU, I found the right hardcore kids like you know but also all the hardcore kids hung out like you know like one of our good friends Derek was like a straight up like New Jersey 
like you know uh, like tour with ensign dude and he also played like on the football team but then our other brother our other friend luke our brother in hardcore uh, he was <laughs> the drummer in my high school band, like or in my uh, college band like he was in he was super propaganda guy like super into pop punk stuff uh uh and then my friend kevin was just like a kind of an indie kid who also started to realize like oh minerals a band i like a lot like i only listened to the grifters before when yeah. i was in high school um so it was this weird like i think that was it too was like getting for me it was and i think that's what happened with a lot of people it's college happens college or life people got out of their bubble of just like all right every weekend i'm literally every weekend in connecticut i'm seeing Hatebreed with 25 to life and then the same five bands we got fast break tenfold ground zero some of all fears and switch stance i love some of all fears some of all fears was a great band <laughs> they're like one of the bands of connecticut where i'm like we should remember them but then also weirdly like drowning room from yeah. uh, poughkeepsie or whatever would come down and we were like we were tight with them and like dissolve would always play and dissolve seven inches still one of the best seven inches to me uh but so but it was also like you know you 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 were playing that style of music and then all of a sudden i was like oh there's other types of music and you start to you know i think you get older and you either get out of it or you also ideally like start to be like i also really like yes yeah like, genesis is in my favorite bands of all time like <laughs> like prog rock is the best thing ever like i love this just as much uh i mean metal was always a huge i mean i'm a metal head. like i mean metal is always where my heart really what heart like i was, was a metal director in college perfect yeah, yeah. like metal's the best like i was you know it metals most of my days um uh and so metal was always in there as well but still there was like a breakup between metal and hardcore in certain times but then you start to re- like you know i just saw entombed on friday and i, I was just reminded i was just like oh right that's a hate breed riff yeah like, there's a straight up riff from stranger aeons <laughs> that is on clandestine that is just like oh and that's from the demo like i know that's riff like it always drew drove me nuts um so yeah, I just think it was kind of a perfect time because weirdly, like at least for me, and it's always been this way with every band I've possibly been in. Uh, I I liked the bands we played with, but it wasn't my it wasn't what I was listening to in some ways. Like it's like all the bands we like. I think all the bands Orchid got lumped in with. Like most of them are awesome dudes, and I like parts of their stuff. But like I just didn't listen to most of it. Well, like, that's what I kind of seeing. Like you're the the term emo or right. the that all those terms you guys were lumped in it. What were you thinking at the time? Because everyone I've ever interviewed has tried to run away from the word. Uh, other than the mid two thousands. I mean, I guess like. Did you guys, were you aware it of the It didn't term? come up, no. Like, it didn't come up. In, I never thought of it as in relation to us. Like, the idea of Screamo sometimes would show up. But, like... So, with Screamo... But most of the time, like, like, we were playing hardcore shows. Like, I was just like, oh, no, we're playing with these bands. Like, it's not anything, like... It was never, like... I never saw, like, Screamo show or advertises that. Well, that's uh, the interesting part. I had Jim on, Jim Atkins on, and mm-hmm. he talked about loving Screamo and all those bands. Right. And when he says it, it's... Obviously, he's a couple, you know, a couple years older than us. Right. You know, we're we're the same age, but then it turned into this thing yeah. that means something else. So if I say that word, right. a kid pops in his head, you know, something completely different, right? And which I guess is why the weird term of scrams came up, like yes. some fake made up term, which then you makes you realize, like, oh, all these labels are these made up jokes because you're like they're bullshit. Because you guys were, I mean, late nineties, you know, internet was just getting rolling here mm-hmm. you know i had it in the dorm room one computer you start kind of hardly knew how to sign into my email if yeah, I, I wasn't checked it one day yeah. i check it once a day yeah and these 
it but it started to accelerate. Yeah. And I think your your band sort of was pre all of this, you know, you Definitely. were back and forth, maybe maybe the one band member had an email. Yeah. Yeah. And then 2000, 2000 you sort of it was like bang, all yeah. these things started happening and then you kind of ended right when right. emo term or that sort of took off. You were right. sort of you saw it before and after. Yeah. What and were then things... decided to grab onto being in Panthers, and we're just yeah. like, now we have to what... deal with the Brooklyn world. It's like, it's just which like, I oh, have a question Rock. about. Great. Okay, cool. but that's the that's exactly. It's yeah. interesting how your band sort of was before it was before during, and then saw it, right. and then it happened again. Right. But for Orchid, did you guys have any semblance of what is going on around us? These bands are saying that they're this. What were you? No, honestly, at the time, like as a fan, I was like, God damn it! Right. Like... <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, at the time, like I was just like. We played shitty shows. Like, I mean, most of the shows were garbage. Like, it's, some were great. Like, and, and not the, they, a lot of them were great. Like, was it but like it was the next like, generation figured it out? Like, they figured out how to market it? Is that I, what yes, it was? definitely. I mean, and market it by basically not doing what we did, I guess. Like, it's because I'll hear it and I'll just be like, well, how is that connected to anything? Like, and then there'll be things like, you know, Silverstein or whatever did that cover of yeah. Destination Blood. And I was like, that's awesome. But I also weirdly am, I'll listen to it and be like, they're playing it wrong. Like, <laughs> like there's one, like there's one part where I'm just like, they've cut out like two of the notes. Like <laughs> it's a faster thing. Like, but so that's my deal. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, you guys I, were in it. I don't see the connection, I guess. I'll listen to it. When people say the term now, I'm just like, it's, it's, it's so hard to explain. Like, cause even, I, I guess like, even like I was just like, I, f- I felt like we were more grind than, the bands we were lumped in at the time yeah. anyways i always thought we were kind of somewhat heavier uh and our i also honestly felt like our a lot of t- i was just like like one of the reasons i liked being an orca is i thought our songs made sense like it wasn't just like a riff salad at, yeah. at times or at least i as a bass player who had very little say i would try to make it a little less riff salad um uh but yeah i at the time no i mean at the time it didn't what was my concern my concern was also like i was in college like i needed yeah. to graduate uh, I needed to not have my dad be fucking pissed that I took off a week uh, into my f- my winter semester to do my two- first two-week tour ever, uh, where I also like couldn't take an independent film class I really wanted to take as a film major because the guy just wouldn't let me because I was going to miss the first class. And he was just like, no, he's wow. like, you're screwed. Every other professor was great, so fuck that guy. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, at the time, and then... Yeah, I was in college. I was honestly more concerned with just, like, trying to get a girlfriend. Yeah. Like, and not trying to get laid. Like, fuck rock and roll. Like, I just wanted to find a girlfriend. Like, you know, have a relationship that worked. Uh, figure out my life. I was having enough. Like, I just wasn't concerned. Like, I was just like, where am I going next year? Like, so New it York? wasn't like the outside seeing that these trends were taking other paths. I mean, I also, I joined a moving train. Yeah. Like, you know, I joined right when we were recording three records and then we had a tour set up and then all of it, and a lot of it would just be like, will be and like, oh, we're going to go to Europe. Like, can you do that? Wow. And I'm like, okay, like I'll make my life work. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, again, I scheduled classes around it. I just made it work. And so like, I think more, it was, how do I make all the pieces move together? Uh, and at the same time being excited because I was just playing I was playing in a band that people cared at least most of the time like you know not all the time but like years of the Connecticut bands I always felt like 
I think we're on because they want to borrow our equipment or we're playing the show because they like our inside out cover, not the band. We just can't seem to get it together because I never cared about scene stuff. And so that would always kind of like I was like, does that bite us in the ass or not? I don't know. Because there's like political stuff. Yeah. Is it like in, you know, like is Jamie pissed because we didn't pass out those flyers he sent from Europe or something or, you know, and then you'd find out these things later. I was like, man, everyone's a baby. Like everyone's a child. You were figuring it out. You're a kid. Yeah. And at the same time, like trying to not get, you know, Connecticut's just like there's a bunch of thugs and people getting beat up and, you know, guns being pulled and stuff. And so, yeah, I, I that's really what it like at the time. No, I was just in. And, and so the same with Panthers, the same yeah. with like when we graduated, like we did like. I think living in both of those made me realize, like, oh, right, the the idea of the Seattle grunge scene didn't exist. Like, it was just a scene. It just happened at the time. It's just, like, you know, even why people liked Orchid at the time and still like us, which is great, it was just a perfect uh, moment in time for the fans as well. It was just like, oh, I want to hear this type of music with Jay talking about these types of politics, which is also why I think, like, I do think, not that we were great, but I you know panthers got torn apart on our first record especially and people never really glommed onto us completely and i'd still stand i'm just like it's good stuff relax everyone's just music but i think a lot of it was just like you're not doing the thing that you were doing and that i moved to new york in 2000 right you know oh one i I worked at got it by voices record for work and the strokes opened right and you know seeing that being like oh all right there's gonna be a lot more people i think coming by yeah yeah and if you didn't sound like that, a friend actually made a Spotify playlist of like all those bands that didn't make it. Right. But there was, I mean, it was, you could, you could throw a rock and hit a band that sounded and looked there like that. Loads, man. Like, and, like, like, and it, it got so derivative. Yeah. And that was the thing. I think and like, if you didn't sound like that. Right. See you later. And we didn't like, you know, I think you like, like, I mean, I saw, I thought a little bit at the drive-in mm-hmm. international noise conspiracy. And that's what we got lumped. Yeah. And like for us, it was just like, I don't know. We were like, and at that honestly, time that wasn't cool. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I agree. And 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 I also was just like I being in I mean, you know, being in Panthers, I never like I was just like, oh, we're almost the band I kind of want us to be yeah. just cuz I think Panthers more so than Orchid was uh five guys all with five completely different ideas about how the world should work <laughs> and how music should be played. Uh trying How were those practices? Uh amazingly we got through a lot of them. Like I mean I'm I'm amazed Panthers existed for 6 years. Like I'm just amazed like you know uh how were those pra- oh, those practices were full of passive aggressiveness uh and constant snide comments cuz it was also uh a band with like a lot of jerks, uh, but also two of them who were like just starting to be like, I'm also going to try to do comedy. And we were actors before. So it's like, you know, like now I'm going to find a way to hone being an asshole uh, <laughs> in my snide comments about like finding some way to tear you apart. Yeah. that I don't like the riff you came up with or <laughs> stop playing that disco drum beat or something. Uh, but that was the other thing. It was just like we would be in those like Brooklyn articles like a couple of that, but I'd be like, I just, don't, I don't feel like part of the world completely. I don't think we sound like them. I think we weren't heavy enough for the heavy people. We weren't rock enough for that. Like, and we, cause we didn't decide like, you know, when we, every record we would make a fucking left turn. Like all of a sudden things are strange. We are like, Let's I think something else. I think all of a sudden, honestly, at least for me, I saw Pink Floyd's live at Pompeii for the first time. And I was just like, let's do long songs. Let's do that. Like, and even though we're not as, competence like in like i just we weren't we were waiting for everyone else to kind of pull out the right riff uh 
and I'm still happy again, happy with every record. But like, uh, I think it was just a band more. Orchid was more of a like we had a unified. This is what we are. Even though our last record, like, it definitely like started to bring in even more different influences. Um, I think Orchid had more of a cohesive vision. So then, yeah, all of a sudden we were again in another world. And why did Panthers happen? Because we all graduated at the same time. Yeah. Like Kip from the Red Scare, who we were on tour with, moved to Brooklyn at the same time as we did because Jay had already moved here because he had dropped out. And then our drummer was moving here with his now wife to go to grad school. And, and you so, came down here for... And I came here because I had graduated and I was like, well, I'm a film major. I got to go to... And I don't really want to do film exactly. I'm not sure what I want to do. Might as well follow Jay. Yeah. Like, honestly, I was like, I'm going to go to New York. He's got a loft. He already lives in, in Dumbo before Dumbo was crazy. <laughs> uh, was crazy Anything just in a different crazy. way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I just we just kind of ended up and then we all end up living together. So it was like me, Kip, the guitarist, and Jay... And then our we got another guitarist, Justin, who I I realized we realized later that Justin thought he was joining Orchid when he got asked to join Panthers, oh, and then Chubb was just like, "All right, whatever," because <laughs> um, Justin's the best like that because he's a crazy man. Um, but yeah, we and I think you know we were just here. And I think that happened with a lot, a lot of bands just graduated. Like, the Black Dice dudes graduated from art school and came to Brooklyn. Like, you know, we knew them from playing Providence before that. Uh, and so I think it was just a time. Like, it's just these cycles happen. And we just happened to hit in that cycle. And then there was the strokes. And then the yeah, yeah, yeahs. And then boom. Yeah. Uh, and that led to a lot of, like, you know, that let, we did this terrible two-week tour in England. Uh, partly because of that. They were like, oh, let's bring a Brooklyn band over and then give them the worst tour that's ever existed. Wow. Um, what tour was that? We just did, we legitimately, like this guy from the agency who was kind of booking, yeah, 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 is, like asked us, but he like didn't exactly sign us to book, but was like, I can get you two weeks in England, which is one of those things where after everyone was like, no one ever does two weeks here. You do two to three days tops. And we're like, oops, let's play every little Hamburg in, in yeah. a little town, a village in England. Uh, and yeah, it was just a disaster. It was just one of the, it's like a tour that I could tell billions of stories and, and kind of writing something about maybe, but, uh, <laughs> but because it was just like, it was no money, no, no one cared, like a driver who we had to fire, like multiple oh accidents God. broken into, uh, and we shouldn't have been there. It's just, we just shouldn't have, no, we didn't have any records out. Like it was just wow. a disaster all around. Um, because it was just kind of the Brooklyn scene. I'm going to continue. It, I, I guess I had forgotten about it because I was so focused on either I was at hardcore labels mm-hmm. or I was in. But that was, a, that was insane. Like yeah. the, instantly it almost felt like instant. Rent went up. There was a band. Everyone looked alike. Right. I mean, it just got so homogenized. Yeah. And everything. it was hard, too, because we were coming from, like, at least for me, like, you know, the Orchid dudes, we were coming, and Red Scare, we were coming from a basement DIY world, and we're on Ebullition. I still, Ebullition's still the best label I've ever been on. Like, Can you talk about that label? I think a mm-hmm. lot of people don't remember them, or at least, I mean, if, I will put links up on the podcast right. for everybody, but I just, the, what they had put out, the, the DIY mentality of it, where it came from, everything was just like, Spot on. Yeah, I mean, Ebullition is Kent and Lisa. Like, I mean, you know, and 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 it came out of heart attack, and it was just this scene that, like, yeah, it's it was the it was the label I wanted to be on. Then I was like, oh, Orchids on Ebullition, more for me to be envious of. And then I joined. I was like, great, now I'm on Ebullition. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, really, it was just like Kent's just a, Kent and Lisa are just great people. Like, it's really what it, there's not much to say. Like, it's just like 
they, you know, they're it's very worth pumped. going through the discography. Yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in the and hidden gems in there. There's also some stuff that's just like not the best, but it's like that's every label. That, yeah. Um, but like I think like it was just such like for me it was like it was this really ethical label. Uh, uh, it, it felt like it it had all the right politics and the right music. Um, uh, and like when I met them, at least I was like, okay, great. They're also just the best. Like they're just these nice people are just like, yeah, I'll put a record. Out. Okay. Like it's just this relaxed attitude towards putting out record, but not in a lazy way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I mean, really, it, I don't know if I'm explaining ebullition that well, but, uh, tell people to listen to it. Yeah. Listen to stuff <laughs> on ebullition. Uh, they're just, they were just a great, they are still a great label. And again, I just think like we're the most straightforward label I've ever been on, uh, where, you know, like, cause it's, you know, as you keep going, you're just like, how are some of the punk labels equally shitty? Like, yeah. just like in their dealings, like they're, cause they're just, most people are crappy. That's why. Like, cause most people just don't have their shit together. Um, uh, and then we ended up on vice anyway. So it was just like, yeah. you know, a completely different world. Um, uh, but yeah, I think Ebullition's the best. <laughs> but then the, I guess the going back to the Panthers stuff in yep. that time period and the, you know, if it's the two thousands, did you see any light at the end of the tunnel? Was it just like this is getting weirder and weirder every year? <laughs> Felt weirder and weirder every year for me. Like because again, I was like, you know, a- as time went on, I, I was starting to also just be like, well, I, I'm. I don't feel part of the hardcore scene as much anymore. Cause like we try, like we played ABC at the beginning, uh, at ABC no Rio. And it just didn't feel, it was just like, people don't want us here. And I, that blob that might've been in our heads, but it just didn't feel interesting. Like it just didn't feel, I was just like, Were again, they waiting it, for orchid. Yeah. I think that was it. And I was just like, Oh, these guys. And I do like, we had one press release for our first record that mentioned the Stooges and MC5, and I still think about that because I remember the guy who wrote it was just like, no one ever looks at these things. And then I was like, everyone looks, do. that's all they that's do. That's how they write. Yeah, that, most reporters are lazy, so they just pull it out. Yeah. So then constantly was MC5 oh, and Stooges. No. And I was just like, I like the Stooges enough, and MC5 I don't think is that great of a band. I think, you know, Kick Out the Jams is a good song, but I generally don't care. Again, I'm mostly listening to, you know, Sleep. Like, honestly, like, I'm like, really, like, you know, listen to Dope Smoker and Rainbow. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then Genesis and Magma. Like, you know, like, uh, and then Hardcore still. Um, and so, yeah, like, I, I think as it kept going, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't know how the rest of the band, I can't speak for the rest of the band, but like, I was just like, I'm still straight edge. I still am vegetarian. <laughs> like, I don't like parties. I don't like scenes. I don't like, <laughs> Most of the people here, like in general, I was also stressing out a lot because it's like now I have graduated and what the fuck am I doing with my life? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm not exactly using my label. I don't want to stop playing music. I don't know. I, you know, the thing with Panthers is like it always felt like there was something where it was just like, all right, well, we'll keep going for that. Like, there was always like a little carrot dangling and then you started to see the brooklyn thing you do have that bit which is like maybe i can do this maybe i can live off of being in a band for and just do that and you can't it's just almost an impossible um uh and so for me it was a lot where i was just like why are we playing another weird vice party like you know that's like paying a lot of money which is great because it funds all the other shows that no one's going to and the records people aren't buying uh uh 
And I do want to reiterate, like this, I don't think like this is not a matter of like bitterness. This is just the truth of That's being in a band. That's what was happening at the time for music. Yeah, every week I felt the number one record was selling less. Right, and that was at the top forty. Think right. of the smaller bands. Yeah, and so there was that too. It was just the beginning of just like records selling less. Anyways, like it's like you know it it's it, we were so far removed from the days where like Three Dog Night could like live and sell a billion records yeah. like we are way way beyond that now um and so yeah like i just I, I i was just feeling less and less part of the world i was in but more a part of it like i didn't know i think it was a big time of like it was like six years at least for me of not knowing which way to go wow like, and every member of the band to some extent it was just like you know our drummer was in grad school and like was starting a family and then like everyone's like trying to like decide like do I do a career or do I focus on music as a, can we do this? And like, you know, you don't want to turn down things, but I think you had a good run. Yeah. I, mean, I did, In that time period to have that many records and I, I, I think ha- so. Have a record on Dim Mac. Uh, I mean, it was hard to get again. Like it was, it was, I think that was one of those like coming off of Orchid where generally our fans liked us. And then to get a lot of like, you know, it's still, it's a, it's, there's reasons I'm in therapy. There are many reasons, but like, you know, <laughs> there's some extent I need to get over. And, but that first pitchfork review of the Panthers record was like a point zero four or something or a 0. 0.4. Uh, and that's, it's, it, that's one of those things where I was like, Oh, I just remember. Cause I think for a lot of us, that was wow. the beginning of just like, this is going to be a long slog. This is not going to be as like kind of calm and fun as we thought it was going to be. And 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 because all that. It's I, not as opening. I mean, I feel like the hardcore scene. Yes, a band's not good. You don't listen to them. You don't sure. watch them. But you don't do the. I don't think that would have happened. Yeah, and 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 yeah. I I think like you know. That being said, there are a lot of judgmental people. Everyone's judgmental. All I the guess time. I'm saying like the there's at least like there's one place, and if they shit on it, you're done. It's right. not like. A crappy guy at the club hates you. It was then... it was the beginning of it for me. It was a part of the beginning of the culture we live in now. Anyways, which is like you know like I see what you mean. there's a great article that Harris Whittles, uh, uh, who passed away, the comedy writer, his his sister wrote about the end of empathy, and I was like, oh, this is great. It kind of fills in the idea of just like you know there's an because we all now live behind a screen, and it, this is like almost like somewhat trite to talk about because in some ways we all know this but we're also not changing it like we just live in a world where it's just like everyone lives behind this faceless screen where it's just like now i'm just gonna be weirdly the meanest person you've ever met and and it's hard like i think it was just like it gave this license like you know for me too it was that combined with like so there was this punk message board that I used to watch, read a lot at work when I'd be temping, uh, and I always was a lurker. I, I it was it ended up being like board.crucial.org. It ends up still exists probably. Most of my friends were on it. Like I knew their weird names. Yeah, uh, and it was also a great place to get records. There would be just like here is the seventies proto metal thread, and that's when people realized about media fire. And I was like, great, get a billion records that I want to hear because I'm a pack rat when it comes to music. But I just remember, like, you know, it was the end of Panthers, but this is the vibe of it. It was message board culture at the beginning, which was almost like, in a lot of ways to me, was like the continuation of fest culture, where it was just like, here's a fest, but we're going to have more workshops where we're just yelling at people versus trying to actually make changes. Uh, And I just remember we got broken into on our last tour uh, in Montreal. And like, again, this was at the end of the six years of Panthers. But the me- that message board was just like good. They fucking deserve it. Oh like fuck God. them. Like all these random people. And then like our and 
our guitarist who was filling in at the time was like a member of that board. And he was just like, dudes, come on. Like my guitar got stolen. But I was like, man, there's just a, this vitriol that I don't believe anyone has. I think that's the other hard part is we all live in this world now where it's just like you have to match everyone else's. So you up the ante. And so that's why we're constantly bombarded with like garbage clickbait headlines that are just like, you're not going to believe this thing. Or like, you're going to be shocked when you see that. And I'm just like, no, I'm never. I'm never shocked. I'm never blown away. We live in New York. Yeah. Like, <laughs> relax. Like, you know. And I do comedy in the basement of, like, a Gristides where it's, like, constantly the filthiest stuff. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I think that gives such license. Like, you know. Again, it's almost at a point where it's like, do we need to talk about it? But, yeah, I think we do. Like, I think, like, the, the troll culture and, like, all that yeah. world, like, it does exist. And it's a bummer. Especially when you get older and you're like, oh, I kind of want to try to be a good person. Like, go back to how I was when i was a hardcore kid yeah a bit more but yeah i i just think there was there was just such a like vitriol about us like uh and panthers that like i didn't get and i think i also was not in a good headspace that i could see it uh as just like oh that person's just having a bad day or something yeah. um but because you know it was a it was a good run that's the other part too and all this i do want to say like i feel pretty good it's hard to complain about a lot of this stuff because then you know you'll talk to someone and be like yeah i've never put out a record or i know it wasn't like, like a one and done thing it yeah. was a, a long time yeah uh and it's great i mean at the end of the day i toured with high and fire at the end for five weeks they were one of my favorite bands like i was just like this is the best this is what i wanted that being said i think i still say that speaks to the idea of tour in that uh we came back and that's the only time my now wife had to pay our rent like it's just like i always was able to scrape by even in new york after doing the tour i wanted all of my life of like if panthers we were in the red we had no money like because it costs a fucking buttload to open for bands uh you don't get paid a lot you got to go on insane long drives the gas was really expensive at that time no one's buying our merch because everyone buys the headliners yeah yeah like getting 200 bucks a night which is great if you're just playing a local show but uh it's a long slog yeah (laughs) how did you get to doing what you do now is you what what is your what is your gig now and how did it kind of uh, well, currently, I, uh, I I make most of my living off of teaching sketch writing, uh, sketch comedy at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Um, uh, I mean, in uh, I always music and comedy were always my two main things in life. Well, you uh, mentioned before you loved Weird Al. Yeah, like Which and that is, was it. That's, yeah, that's it. That was the merging. Like that was the starting point. And yet, after that, I've never really loved bands who play funny music. Uh, <laughs> it's just he's the one who gets by, just like for a lot of us. But in high school, uh, I kind of started doing acting stuff. Uh, me and the singer of Orchid again, um, and like we both went to this acting camp, like or this acting camp one summer, and then also led into like our last year of high school. We were wow. at this acting school uh, in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, and at one point I was like, I'll go to college for acting. I don't know why, but I never considered comedy. And like, you know, in college I didn't cause I was a hardcore kid. I was at hardcore shows. There were, you know, people who I'm now friends with at the theater who were doing stuff then. And I was like, nah, I'm not going, I'll go see Dave Chappelle. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, not even Dave Chappelle, Tommy Davidson. Um, but, um, and then, uh, you know, I graduated college and was here, wasn't really doing film stuff. Uh, just didn't care. Like I realized, like why did I take get a film major? Like I want to make stuff. I want to be creative, but I don't want to work on sets. Uh, I don't. I like editing enough, but I don't want to devote my time because also I would always get temp jobs because we'd be on tour. Yeah, exactly. Uh, eventually, uh, 
so uh, long story short, how I ended up here finally, uh, I ended up at UCB uh, because after 9-11, I went to a show like a couple weeks after with my drummer uh, and his now wife. Uh, and I saw this team, The Swarm, uh, do improv at our old theater at the 22nd Theater. And I was like, this is great. Like, why am I not doing comedy stuff? Rad. I still didn't take a class for a long time until finally me and Jay together decided to take classes. This is back in 2003. Took three levels of improv class. Did terrible at it. I wasn't sure if I really even liked improv that much. I always loved sketch. I always loved, you know, growing up. It was just like SCTV, Kids in the Hall, SNL. My Saturday nights, most of the time, if we weren't going to shows, were flicking back and forth between SNL and Headbangers Ball. Um, <laughs> that's, I, uh, that's awesome. I was doing the yeah. same thing. It's just, that's <laughs> exact. And it's still the same. Like, it's when Headbangers Ball came back, I was just like realized I was like sitting on the couch with my wife and I was like, I am the same as when I was 16. Uh, and then we put out Things Are Strange and, uh, uh, it's only recently that I realized it wasn't an excuse. I just couldn't really take classes anymore. Um, uh, I probably was at, the, I do think I was at the point where I probably would have ended up on a house team or something, but uh, I could never find eight weeks because we we're always on tour. And then eventually my wife, uh, my now wife bought me a gift certificate to get a sketch class because she was just like, I'm, you're, I'm tired of you talking about this. I just would keep talking about it. And they had finally started sketch class, and that's always what I wanted to do. So I took a sketch class, and then I just kind of kept taking classes, like as much as I could. Took classes here. Um, uh, and then as soon as I was done with every sketch class I could take, I was just like, what do I do now to my teacher? Uh, and he's like, we're starting these things called mod teams. And mod teams are the house sketch teams at the theater. Uh, we're starting these teams. You should apply. So I applied and I got on. Right. And then I was on a mod team for five and a half years here. And then slowly, you know, that leads to like a lot of things at UCB. Like, you know, eventually I directed a couple shows uh, and then uh, got, ended up being a teacher, like subbed for like a year and then eventually ended up teaching. And now at this point, I've been teaching sketch for four years or something fantastic uh and yeah i I, and and then i you know put on shows here i've got you know i've I've just it's just one of those things like i just ended up doing that and even like last couple tours of panthers like i would do both like i would you know make it clear because you're not supposed to take a certain amount of time off i would clear it up with the artistic director who i was friends with i think and that helped a little um but would take I, that's why i bought my first laptop because i was like i need to write sketch on the road and i remember like i would uh call in uh to my director and get notes like because i'd emailed in when i could find wi-fi mm-hmm. uh i remember sitting with big business writing a sketch like i remember sitting in houston <laughs> writing a sketch called bad company fudge company that i ended up shooting eventually but everyone else was partying and i was just like need to finish this yeah uh and then yeah and then once panthers ended uh you know we still kind of me and jay tried to do something a little bit but i was just like let me just go for this let me just do comedy uh and then yeah i've been kind of doing that ever since that's uh, rad. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's great. I mean, it's 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 basically, I mean, I always kind of joke that I've like chosen, it was like, I went, I was going to be an actor. I went to school for film with a philosophy minor, ended up becoming a musician and then a comedian. Like I've chosen every path to just be like, I'm 37. What am I doing with yeah. my life? But I've enjoyed it so far. Like I've enjoyed my life. Uh uh, but yeah, that's kind of how I ended up here. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah. And then the so any uh, favorite stuff that you've done recently, or things people should check out, or even f- 
favorite comedians that uh yeah i mean for my stuff because i gotta promote man for myself hit it uh yeah i guess um go to ifc comedy crib uh i have a web series on the ifc comedy crib called john and jeff are married uh that's just about me and my friend john being married dudes uh and not being able to get the world uh i think uh worst gig ever podcast i did this podcast with my buddy mike pace who was in this band oxford collapse uh, for a hundred episodes or so, uh, we've got great people on there. Uh, we stopped doing it, but Walter from Quicksand is on there. Nice. Freddie from Madball, uh, Jared from Big Business and the Melvins, uh, Taylor Negron, who is an amazing actor. Like a lot of great people on that. Uh, Abby and Alana from Broad City. Oh right. Um, and then what else? You know, take a sketch class with me. I got a show coming up at the theater sometime soonish. Um, what else do I do? Go to my YouTube. Go to my Twitter. <laughs> uh, I got a short on Adult Swim you could watch called The Birth of Captain Murphy, uh, the hip-hop dude. Uh, I probably have a lot more. That's the hardest part. I'm terrible at promoting myself. <laughs> I do think that's the punk part that has like gotten in the way of comedy. Like I'm just like so just like, yeah, don't pay attention to me. <laughs> don't bother. And I just decide to have a mental block of like everything I've ever done. Uh, it's the same as if students ask, like, so tell me about your bands. I'm just like, ah, just go find Orchid, maybe. <laughs> Panther's okay. Go to listen to the trick. <laughs> but I just don't. I weirdly like to keep my world somewhat yeah. separate. Uh, and and I think that sometimes bites me in the ass. But that's the dumb punkness. Like, sometimes I do think punk can get in the way unless you always were lying to yourself. Like, uh, when you're a person who has to, like, promote who you are. <laughs> Because it's so hard. We're bred to not be proud of what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Thanks a lot, punk. You ruined my life. You're the best. Uh, but yeah. Cool. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you. Hello, Washed Up Emo fans. Thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years. Or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. And for this current episode you're about to hear, I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shettle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also printed volume one so you can order both check out the diy publishing at anthologyofemo.com